0: Welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast with your host, Eve Mayer. Join Eve and her guests each week as they discuss how to live a healthier, longer, and more fulfilling life through fasting, keto, and low-carb feasting. Oh yeah, it like started off with me blinking and I look just, that's something. All right, so we are live. Good morning, Megan. Hi, good morning, Eve. So we are back, it is day four. I'm Eve Mayer with Fasting Lane and with me as always is the beautiful InRed.
1: (laughs) I'm Megan Ramos, everyone, of the Intensive Dietary Management
0: Program. And you can check her out at idmprogram.com. Oh, there's my husband making sure we're on live and everything's good. We are live, we're
1: gonna do a camera switch here so everybody can see everybody all the
0: time. Okay, good. Cool was it just me before? Welcome back. Thank goodness Megan's back. Okay, good. All right. So here we are. We're on day four of this 10 day fast and I am attempting and Megan and I always get on like a minute or two before and she waits to ask me how I'm doing. So go ahead, Megan. How are you doing today on day four you? Oh, Megan, you're so sweet. You know, it's interesting that we've set these up in the mornings and I know a couple of them we have in the evenings later on um, because in the morning I'm pretty dang good. Like usually happy except for that morning I didn't have coffee because of the blood tests. Um, I'm usually not hungry because I'm really comfortable and practiced now at doing a 16-8 and not having breakfast. So I'm not usually hungry. So yesterday was day three, which I was terrified about and I had really intelligently planned a long massage, you know, 80 minutes, hot stone massage. I went for that. I was just feeling fabulous. I, took a picture after with my hairdo it was really gorgeous and um, it was it was I was feeling wonderful I went hungry and then you know yesterday I had really encouraged people a lot to work on their brain work on their mental health and so I went to my therapist who I hadn't seen for a while because I haven't really had many issues and um, I processed some things in therapy and they weren't even bad things they were actually great things about my parents which I have amazing parents great things about my husband But because I processed them, I got emotional and then I left and then I was hungry and then I got pissed off and then I wanted to eat everything. And then I had thoughts like, if I ate something, no one would ever know. Like they would never know if I ate something, which is a really effective way to fast. Um, and, And I felt ashamed that I thought that, but I thought it and I felt um, angry and hungry and I just kept thinking, this is day three. There is no way if I feel this way, I can make it to 10 days and all these amazing people who are fasting along with me, who just have been so interesting to listen to and so honest about their feelings. I'm like, I'm going to let these people down. And I thought about not saying anything and just having my cute massage picture. And then I was like, no, this is, this is baloney. And this is the whole purpose to be like, not everybody has an easy time passing. I don't have an easy time passing. And so I talked about it on Facebook yesterday and a lot of people started sharing their own situations of how they feel like crud, what bad thoughts they have, when they feel bad, how it's, you know, so mental and then what they did to get through that. So I guess my question to you, Megan, because, you know, here I am today and, and last night, a couple hours after that, I started feeling great. Um, I even went to the mall with my daughter and her friend and I was walking in the mall. And, and when I used to start doing fasting, I couldn't walk in the mall because I would smell certain things that, you know, people would be walking by, carrying and eating. And even if they were small children, I just wanted to punch them and steal what they were eating and like shove it in my face. I am past wanting to punch children, which I feel like maybe is a good step in the, the right direction. I don't actually punch anyone. <laughs> um, and so I was walking down the, the way and I saw this place and it looked like a, maybe it was ice cream, but it was pudding. And the guy was like, would you like a free sample? And I was like, no, thank you. And he was like, it's the best in the world. And I was like, "Ah, shut up. So I kept going, but I did have these thoughts like, but no one would know. Right? Like, why do I have these thoughts of no one will know? What What's the point of that? Like, who cares? Nobody cares what I eat. Like, nobody actually is sitting there caring. Um, anyway, that's, that's my scoop, Megan. Just could you solve all my mental problems now? <laughs> You're not alone. I think
1: we all feel that way. Everybody who's ever tried to fast consistently on a regular basis for their health has felt that way. I felt that way. Or, you know, people, if we were at a low-carb Houston. I ran into you at low-carb Houston, and I was having an eating day. I'm in Texas. I'm from Canada. There's barbecue. I'm going to eat it. It's going to be a time for eating. And two women pointed out, and they're like, oh, my God, she's fat. She's eating. Look at her eat. And it's like, well,
0: I need to eat sometimes. Um, you know, it's uh, – it's uh, Wait, Megan, I'm just going to back up right there. It sounds like you said <laughs> these two women said she's fat and she's no. eating? No, that I'm, the fasting girl is eating. Or okay, because fast- I was going to punch them. But okay, go ahead.
1: No, I don't know. The fasting, fasting woman is eating like I'm never supposed to eat or anything like that. I don't know. We've, we've got all these weird notions. And, um, and, and it's true. I, I can't tell you the number of times a person has told me they've, you know, thought about having some almonds during a fast because they're just bloody almonds. And who the heck would know? Um, or even myself thinking that, or even on an eating day thinking, you know, I, I've got $20 with a cash in my wallet. I could go buy that pizza and my husband would know cause it wouldn't be on a credit card <laughs> statement. Yes. Um, I think we've all done that. We, we have just such strong emotional ties to these foods. There's two huge components. One of them is the emotional tie. Um, to these foods and these foods do provide us with some temporary emotional relief too, especially if we're not feeling good or if we're stressed out or if we're angry, we, we do get a short high from taking them. Um, I was, uh, I was just a kid when I, I realized that food could make you happy. My father is a very grumpy trial lawyer. Dad, if you're watching, I love you, but you're a very grumpy man. Um, and dad would come home from work and be grumpy. And mom would give dad pasta and chocolate milk and a bag of potato chips. And then daddy would be really happy for an hour before he passed out. <laughs> from blood sugar, um, I mean, these are things that we're trained. Like we are trained. When you were young and you had a bad day, your your mother, your grandmother, your grandfather, father, whoever's taking care of you, would offer you food for comfort. Um, so before we even recognize that food can be good for us or bad for us, we are taught to use food to help us cope emotionally. And it's just, hey, when you've been doing it your whole life, it's going to take time. Um, I, I will tell you, there, there was a time when I honestly thought that I was going to resort to eating garbage every bad day. And I was going to break every fast, every bad day. And then, so it happened one night, my family was in just chronic state of emergency. We had a newborn nephew having liver failure on one end of the city and a 20-year-old cousin having heart failure on the other side of a city and everybody was scrambling to be everywhere and i was having a bat i was fasting that day and this was later on in the evening and i just uh, i just had this intense craving for uh, for a jasmine green tea like just this really intense craving for jasmine green tea and I remember going downstairs in the hospital and getting the closest thing I could find a jasmine green tea at Starbucks. And I went back upstairs to the waiting room and I look around and everybody's eating Doritos and or potato chips and I'm there perfect, like feeling relief and comfort from the jasmine green tea. And I started to laugh like a lunatic, like my family just thought I was stressed out and exhausted to the point of insanity. But I just couldn't believe that I got there. And that's me doing this. At that point, I've been doing it for six years. Um, And you know what? It takes time. You know, for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, some of us even longer, we've been conditioned to use food to help us cope. Um, Going back, my great-grandmother, I remember her offering my grandmother food for comfort. You know, this goes back generations. Um, We've always used food for comfort. And then forget about just that, the whole food industry, you know, they manipulate these foods with salt, with sugar, with bad fats to make us become highly addicted to them. It's just as bad as you know any other addictive substance. Just as sugar is addictive as cocaine is, or heroin. And think about it. If you're a heroin addict, if you're a heroin addict, what do you do? You go to a special rehabilitation center. They isolate you from the entire world. You're not allowed contact with any of the outside world. Over time, you're allowed supervised visitation with family members or close friends who. And it's supervised to make sure that this person is not causing you any stress or any aggravation. And they also don't let you stop heroin cold turkey. And they give you methadone to wean you off. And then you get to spend more time with friends and family in that particular environment. And then you go into a transition clean home. This is a substance that's just as addictive as sugar. But look at look at our society. You can't go into a gas station, a coffee shop. You can't even go into a pharmacy. Oh my gosh, the other day I was in a pharmacy picking up some medication for my mother. And at the checkout counter of this pharmacy, there's chocolate bars, potato chips, Doritos, like all kinds of garbage just there right as you're checking out. You pay for your medication and buy some buy some candy too. Um, we are just bombarded by it. So, you know, I, it's just as addictive as the heroin and it's all around us and people chase you down with pudding in the mall trying to convince you that it's the best tasting stuff ever. And you have this, this mild addiction to these foods too, just because we've been exposed to them for so long, your body does become addicted to them.
0: Plus it's free. And there is nothing I like more than free. So like free and sugar like is very exciting. So this morning I went to a breakfast because it was the only thing I wasn't able to reschedule during this because it was this professional woman that I really wanted to get booked with and she's really inspiring to me and I didn't want to give up that time slot but I was super nervous. Um, went to breakfast, it was really early in the morning, so I really wasn't that hungry, but I was nervous about smelling food and wanting it. I had two coffees. She was totally understanding and really interested, um, but I don't know. It's, it's so cool to me. Like Honestly, Megan, if I see you and I don't know you, I make judgments about you. You are hot and young, and blonde, and fit, and I just assume everyone who is like that never struggles, never fast, has always been that way, and this woman that I met with was is also beautiful, and fit, and blonde, and gorgeous, and I always make assumptions wrongly about people, and it's always cool, honestly, not that I want you to struggle, but I maybe I do, to hear that people struggle, and are not always perfect, and are not always you know, where I imagine they have stayed in this this perfect state. So it really honestly helps me when you tell me that it took you six years to get to this point where tea was something that really comforted you. Because I always make, I I love to watch Young and the Restless every day. It's very educational. And what I always think is funny is like when somebody in the show like is missing or has died for the 17th time or is in a very stressful situation, somebody's always like, can I make you some tea? And I'm like, tea is not going to solve this dang problem. But I guess what you're telling me is if you practice long enough and you die like seven (laughs) times and you come back, jasmine tea might solve the problem temporarily. the problem but I mean yeah. if
1: I can get to that point in time where tea is comforting than anybody can and because I never ate well I never had one year or one month in my life up you know, for 27 years where I ate well I came out of the womb as a, like a, from a mother my mother's not even five feet tall and I was a 10 pound baby and two feet long um and it took like the jaws of life to get me out of this little lady because I was so large um So I think I've had insulin, like just hearing how my mother ate during her pregnancy, I came into this world, a little sack of insulin who is always hungry. Um, If I can do it, anyone can. But, you know, it's because of how our environment is set where there's all this terrible food around us that just bloody, it tastes friggin' fantastic. Um, It's all around us and it does give us this this brief period where it does make us mentally feel better for a little bit. It does make you feel a little bit relieved. It's tough. And I've fallen down thousands of times, but it's about getting back on, you know, for, for a lot of people, they fall off and they think that that's it and that it has to be all or nothing. It doesn't, you know, my attitude is if I don't get up and try again, I'm never going to know, you know, so just getting, what do I have to lose either by, you know, suffering for a couple of days, having to take some broth. So I don't get a headache, eating bacon for a few days. So I start to feel better. Then I feel good again. Then let's see how long I can go for the next time before I get knocked off the wagon. And let's see how fast I can get back on it the next time too. So for me, you know, you get knocked off and it's like, okay, you know, instead of trying to get knocked off the wagon for seven days, I'm going to try to only do it for like two days. And instead yeah. of it taking seven days to get back on the wagon, I'm going to try to do it in two days um, and just keep doing that. And that momentum eventually leads to you craving jasmine tea um,
0: during extremely stressful situations. You've got to keep
1: going, everybody. That's
0: the important thing. Well, I look forward to when that day happens. My mom was listening to us yesterday and she wanted to ask, she said you were talking about tea, but it was too much caffeine. And she actually drinks decaf green tea, which is probably against, y'all drink good tea in Canada. So do, do you have decaf green tea? She was worried about you.
1: Uh, yeah, there's, there's plenty of different kinds of decaffeinated teas, um, decaffeinated green teas and wonderful herbal teas that don't have any caffeine in them either, like peppermint tea, which is an amazing appetite suppressant and has zero caffeine in it. Um, the, the problem is a lot of teas, though, are diuretics so you tend to get a little bit dehydrated. I actually posted this morning cuz someone's been asking me about my new year's resolutions and I have two and one of them is to balance out my my water and tea intake so I don't get too dehydrated cuz that was that was a big issue of 2018 for me because I just I had one of those one of those very bizarre years where it wasn't um, unusual to dine with royalty, but it was really weird to go to Costco with my husband because um, I was never in town. <laughs> I had a strange, strange year um, and I was on the go. And, uh, you know, now I've learned a lot going into my very busy 2019. Um, so every. every Every cup of tea, I just drink two cups of water before my cup of tea. If I don't do things like this, drinking tea relaxes me. So before I came downstairs to do this talk with you, I had my glasses of water. So it's, um, it's always a learning experience for everybody. Um, you know, this 10 day fast is going to be different than your next attempt at a 10 day fast or a seven day fast. And your next encounter with the guy who's chasing you down with the pudding in the mall is going to (laughs) be different than this past one. But if you keep going and you keep practicing, you know, you'll make sure that your experiences are, are different. You know, the... A definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And, you know, if you go back to going back to eating, you know, pudding that tastes good, for example, you know, you're going to feel only good for about a minute or two, then you're going to feel terrible. Then you're going to crash. Then you're going to wish you've never done it. So I try to think of that every time I get tempted and I'm really trying to stay strong. Like, what has my experience been like this in the past? Has it ever been good? You know, eating Mr. Brussels sprout has always been good. And I used to actually, when I was going through a big transition in my diet, because I started fasting before I started changing my foods, I used to sit and I would make sure I looked at something for 30 seconds before I put it in my mouth.
0: And
1: I would have a conversation with it, you know, Mr. Brussels sprout, do you make me feel bloated? No. Do you make me gain weight? No. Do you raise my insulin levels? No. Tonight, am I going to have regretted eating you? No. Tomorrow, no. All right, Mr. Brussels Sprout, you can go in my mouth, but Mr. French Fry is a whole other
0: story. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> so... I hope you did this restaurants.
1: <laughs> but you like just thinking about that, you know, is that or like that pudding or that French fry or that pizza, like. Eating it's not going to have now is not going to have a different result than it did last month or six months ago or five years ago. It's going to have the exact same, same result. So, just taking time to be mindful about it, I think, especially when you are angry too and frustrated. Um, I always encourage everyone I work with, and something that I could be better at myself is taking like three to five deep breaths when they're angry and tempted with something. Just that taking those deep breaths can dramatically reduce your stress level, your internal stress level dramatically. Like I have some patients, I'll check their blood pressure in clinic, it'll be like 180 over like 90. And I'll have them just breathe for a couple of minutes.
0: And I'll come back
1: into the room, I take their blood pressure again, it's like 120 over 80. So, um, just taking like three deep breaths and then thinking about that food too can really help you make better judgments. But there's nothing like, oh, I'm having, like, this is so miserable, I'm so angry today, I'm uh, just like putting it in your mouth and then thinking about it after. Trying to get into a position where you really, you try to relax your system even three breaths can dramatically relax your system and then just spend 30 seconds thinking about whether or not that food item is actually worth it and that's something that I found works really well for a lot of the people I work with and myself and you know that tool you know for me was a great tool to be able to get me to the point to say no like when I look at my cup of green tea I know it It does make me feel happy, and there's no negative repercussions. So that chocolate bar might only make me feel happy for 30 seconds. It's going to make me feel crabby later on. But the tea is not going to make me feel crabby later on. So I should drink the tea. And just taking that 30 seconds to be mindful can really help change your mental outlook on these foods. And I think it's so important since we're surrounded by them all the time.
0: Got it. All right, Megan. I'm going to do a speed round. I'm going to ask you questions from people who have sent them in. Try to answer them in 30 seconds, and then we'll spend the remainder of the time looking at the blood test. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Here we go. I'm fasting, and it's causing keto rash. Should I stop fasting? Uh, No. Just scale it back down a little bit. So If you're doing 36, go to 24. Perfect. Can we have lemon and lime juice when fasting, and how much?
1: You can. Uh, I would keep it to less than uh, three tablespoons a day.
0: Dude, that's awesome. I'm totally going to make that fake uh, (laughs) margarita that, you know, salt and lime juice that I think Pete was talking about. What causes a metallic taste in my mouth and how can I help it?
1: That means you're burning body fat. It's acetone. So it's a good thing. Uh, Doing um, gargling or rinsing your mouth out with coconut oil, they call it oil pulling, can be really helpful.
0: Wow. Okay. I have dried out lips, even though I'm drinking tons of water. Why? And what can I do?
1: You might be drinking too much water and actually dehydrating yourself by causing yourself to go to the bathroom so much and losing too much sodium. So you should probably try to add some pickle juice or some bone broth or a pinch, to your, uh, pinch of salt to your water three or four times throughout the day.
0: Wow. Okay. And I'm feeling a little dizzy. What usually causes dizziness with fasting?
1: dehydration, um, and low sodium levels. So pickle juice uh, and broth and salty water can help. Just a pinch of salt in a glass of water can make a big difference, but don't wait till you get dizzy. Do it first thing in the morning. So if you're someone who gets dizzy during a fast, wake up, you know, take your broth, take your pickle juice, take a cup of water, put in a quarter of a teaspoon of salt, do that to prevent from getting dizzy in the first place.
0: The fast round has ended. Thank you, Megan, so much for that. I forgot to tell everybody that today, when I weighed on day four, I'm at 189.2. I started at 193 point something. I don't remember what it was. Getting hotter every minute. It's amazing. <laughs> I like seeing that. Um, now we're going to talk about the blood test. I shared my blood test with Megan last night. Happy to share my blood test and all this information with you guys. I don't really know what all these things mean. So we're going to go through it. Megan suggested um, from the IDMProgram.com website, there are actually blood tests that are suggested that you can go look at. You can decide what you want to take. You can talk to your doctor about this. Um, but Megan, can we go through these? And I know we have like seven minutes left, but can we quickly go through these and kind of talk about what my scores were and, and why people should look at this and what it means?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm
0: just so the t- first one said HDL cholesterol 55, and that the normal range was greater than 50. So that's pretty good. That's great. Yeah, it's a good number. Cool. All right, cool. The next one was lipid panel triglycerides. It was 105, and the normal range was less than 150.
1: That's awesome. I'd actually expect yours to be lower than 105, Eve. Yeah, um, because since you are burning body fat right now, and and you so you did um, you did your blood work once you had been fasting for one day, like, yeah, one day. So you're already starting to burn some some body fat. Um, so I'd expect your numbers to triglycerides to go up the longer that you're fasting. So I probably. Okay back to your actual numbers once you do your baseline blood or not your your end blood work would be closer to around 90 so it might be uh, usually we like to keep them around 70 um okay. even reference range is much higher. Um, But they're probably a little bit elevated, because if you are fueling on body fat, which you're going to be doing a lot of during a fast, your body's going to have lots of triglycerides floating around in your body trying to get to cells to fuel you. So usually people's triglyceride levels are a little bit high, mine are a little bit high during a fast. But that's a good thing, because that means I'm going to start fueling on that fat, that
0: fat's not sitting there in my blood, I'm actually burning it because I'm fasting. Okay, got it. And when after the f- I finish fasting, should I wait three days after or longer? You should do three. Well, because you're doing
1: such a long fast, I think you should wait five days. I think okay. you should uh, eat three times a day for five days to sort of get a real true idea of how, um, how this is going. If you're doing something shorter than, than a 10-day fast or something shorter than a seven-day fast, I'd recommend just three days.
0: Is it okay if I usually only eat twice a day? Is that okay if I just do stay with that after because I don't ever really eat three times a day much anymore?
1: Yeah, you want to you, you do. Just make sure two times a day is perfectly okay. Just make sure you're eating okay. three or two proper
0: meals. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm going to throw down. I am <laughs> uh, up for that. Okay. Lipid panel, LDL cholesterol 175 which says it is high. I don't know what the range is supposed to be, but it's high.
1: They're going to go, it's going to go up when anyone is fasting. You could have the lowest LDL in the world and start fasting. And if you burn any body fat when you're fasting, is going to go up. Um, everybody's mind, Dr. Fung, everybody's LDL goes up when they're fasting and burning fat. Um, and that's just because you're burning fat. So your, your liver sends out LDL particles to go to where your body's burning fat and to take the leftover pieces and drive them back to the liver for recycling. So since you're burning fat, you've got a lot of stuff going on. So your liver is gonna be pumping out LDL, but that's okay because it's just going to collect the, the fat that you're breaking down and take back the parts that the liver needs um, to use for other stuff. So it's not a bad thing. Most people find that when after they fast, their LDL levels go quite, quite low.
0: And it's supposed to be like under 100, saying, I think, normal range? Okay. Yeah,
1: we okay, do cool. different units here in Canada. So uh, for our Canadian followers or anyone using the imperial system or metric system, sorry, not the imperial system, um, you're looking to
0: have them under about three. That's ideal. Under about what? Oh, three. That's a different system. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, cholesterol HDLC ratio is 4.6, which looks like it's in normal range to be less than 5.0.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a useless ratio. It really right, tells cool. nothing. Uh, you, if if yeah. anything, HDL to triglyceride ratio is, is important. Okay.
0: Do we care about non-HDL cholesterol? No, nope, nope. don't care about that one. Um, HSCRP, do we care about that? I don't know yeah, what that is. Yeah,
1: so that's an inflammatory marker. Um, okay. It, usually they use it as a cardiac inflammatory marker to assess your risk of cardiovascular disease. But high sensitivity CRP can be high for all kinds of reasons. You have back pain. You stubbed your toe. Um, If there's any inflammation going on in your body, it's going to be elevated Uh, most people uh, do you know who are coming off the holiday season will find that they have a a bump in their high sensitivity c-reactive protein fasting doesn't make it go higher fasting should make it go lower but it's not surprising after a time like christmas time and
0: the new year's that people have a little bit elevated so i know yours was up a little bit eve and I bet, but not but, a lot, right? 3.7, no. so anything over 3.1 is considered high. Um, 3, 3.1 to 10, so it's, it's not super high. It's not super high. If you're in Canada, anything over 1, we use different, different units.
1: It's not really high, and I bet you'll see that come way down after the fast, and
0: you'll be at your pre-Christmas feast uh, CRP in your time. So that is what's, does that kind of measure, infl- it could possibly measure inflammation? Interesting. It is, yeah, okay. So it's an inflammatory marker. Yeah. Okay. And then C-peptide. What, what the heck is that?
1: C-peptides tells us how much insulin our uh, pancreas is producing. Um, okay. So passing insulin is not the most reliable measure if you have a bad night's sleep, your insulin is going to be high, regardless of how much fasting or how much keto you do. But your actual pancreatic function um, of, of sort of the volume of insulin that needs to be produced is a little bit more reliable on um, sort of measuring your insulin resistance, I suppose. Um, and it's also important to to know in people, um, you know, it's a great way to sort of rule out type 1 diabetes in some people but um, it's an important measure just to make sure that over time we haven't burnt out our pancreatic function too much and that our pancreas is still capable of producing insulin
0: so mine was in normal range and the low uh normal range was 0.8 to 3.85 and mine was 0.94
1: that's awesome it's going to be very low during a fast because you're not Encouraging your body to produce excellent insulin also if if you are like so I am someone who's keto adapted um, I eat ketogenically 95% of the time. I'm not perfect um, But I've been doing it for so long now. I actually look like a type 1 diabetic on paper like mine is at the bottom of the barrel so far out of the range um, But that just means my body fuels on fat not sugar so I don't need to produce as much insulin um, so we have to take these reference ranges that are provided for diabetic markers and like triglycerides and insulin markers, like fasting insulin and C-peptides with a grain of salt, you know, just to, yeah. cause it's going to be different. All these reference ranges are made on a very sick population. Um, and sure. as you get healthy, we, we need to establish what new proper reference ranges should be for a lot of these things.
0: So somebody who has diabetes type 2, and this is my last question because I know we're out of time. Somebody who has diabetes type 2, a C-peptide would be sometimes around what range?
1: So they're at very, very high. So we use totally different units here. So someone I'm not not quite sure um, in the U.S. and Canada it would be like around 3,000. You expect them to be on the high end of the normal scale, if not above normal. Um, but You've actually burnt your pancreas out, which can happen, um, you would see them be quite low, actually. So, if you've yes. gotten to the point um, where we, they, there's this weird class of people with latent onset type 1 diabetes, and some of it is genuine latent onset type 1, like they experience this autoimmune condition later on in life. And sometimes, mm-hmm. just, you know, you think of your pancreas like a tire. If you drive it and drive it and drive it. It's going to wear out and it's going to get burned out over time. We're seeing it mostly in people in my age group who were born, you know, eating cornstarch formula and were born in the era where it was really healthy to eat, you know, a happy meal for lunch um, and uh, and you know drink Kool Aid. Um, not Kool-Aid, but like the powder, like we would just lick the powder at lunchtime. Oh yeah, I love that so stuff. We, we, my dad um, and my mom and my grandparents' generation, no, no matter how bad they, they never got to got to that point where they were literally licking packs of sugar, and that was encouraged by their families and their schools. It was okay. Um, yeah. So we, pancreatic burnout, mostly in like the, around the 30, uh, late 20s, early to mid 30 population, where we've just had like, we've just been exposed to the worst of the worst of, of dietary uh, recommendations.
0: Got it. Well, Megan, thank you so much for going that, through that with me. Megan's in Canada. So here I am giving her all these, I'm in Texas. She's in Toronto. I'm giving her all these, these U.S. numbers. Um, tomorrow we will be back at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. And if you want to watch all the videos so far, we'll be at fasting.fyi forward slash 10. If you want to look up the blood test that we just discussed and, and look into that with your doctor, please check out idmprogram.com. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with day five. So far today, I feel great. It is the morning, so I usually feel great. We'll see if I get ticked off later today and uh, see what happens. Thank you so much, Megan. See you tomorrow.
1: Well, see you tomorrow. Happy
0: fasting. Bye. Megan, am I hot yet? (laughs) You look great. (laughs) You look very hot. (laughs) Thanks, Megan.